Good morning, church. I'm enjoying the Indian summer. Late, late arrived. It's going to last for about four days. A week. That's what they say, a week. Have a drink. Bless the Lord. So, he knows. He's the title of our message this morning. He knows. And uh, we've been looking, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the Holy Spirit and some of the spiritual gifts, um, especially the vocal gifts. We talked about the gift of tongues, and briefly about interpretation, and we've also talked about the gift of prophecy. And today, I want to talk about the, the gift of the word of knowledge, but it's going to be a slightly different way. Uh, we're going to look at it in context, okay, and uh, and also listening to whatever 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 else the Lord would have us learn this morning. So you can see that our passage is John, John's Gospel, chapter one, verses forty-three to fifty-one. If you just want to open your Bibles there, John chapter one, verses forty-three to fifty-one. And just as you do, just keep your fingers there because I want to talk to you today about God's omniscience. God's omniscience. What does it mean that God is omniscient? Well, it means basically that He is all-knowing. He knows it all. It's not like some of us who we're a bit of a know-it-all, but He does know it all. Praise God. God is omniscient. A.W. Tozer, he put it this way. He is omniscient, which means that he knows in one free and effortless act, all matter, all spirit, all relationships, all events. To get theological, God does not get caught out. Okay? He does not get surprised. God does not learn. He simply knows. That's hard to get your head around, isn't it? Everything there is to know, he knows. Everything that could possibly be, he knows. Perfectly. We're going to see that this morning. The Bible says, Proverbs 15, verse 3, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Hebrews 4 verse 13 says, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. This is our God, folks. Our omniscient God. And that can be scary to think about, right? That, that he knows everything. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows everything about you. Wow. Every detail of your life. He knows. You know, yesterday I was called to go down to, to London. I was invited to go down to London for a barbecue. So I couldn't turn that down. But uh, especially after having Brian's breakfast in the morning to set us up for the day. And so we headed off down to London and uh, we made a bit of a day of it. Um, we decided to park up where we used to live and go into the centre, had a walk around London. Come back, picked up the car, and then we had to drive from where we'd left, left it in North London across to West London to, to Brentford. Have you been to Brentford? Yeah. 
Interesting place. Let me give you some advice. Don't go when Brentford Football Club are playing at home <laughs> and the match has just finished. <laughs> I mean, it's hard enough as it is, but but anyway, as I'm driving around the streets of Brentford and West London, I could see all of these cameras. Cameras everywhere. I've been down to London recently and drove around London. Goodness me. Talk about Big Brother. There was cameras everywhere. There's cameras for uh, LES, ULES, which is ultra low emission zone, low emission zone, congestion charge cameras. There are cameras for on the traffic lights. There are cameras for speeding. There are now cameras to detect if you're using your mobile phone in your car. So of course you wouldn't do that, would you? But apparently you can't even if it's on, on mounted on the dashboard. You can't even touch it. Because if they catch you, you're in trouble, apparently. So this is what you're facing. Can you imagine? Oh, it's, it's intimidating, isn't it? Driving, I was flapping like a chicken driving around the <laughs> You're trying to focus on where you're going. You don't know the place. You're trying to follow the sat I, I, I took the wrong turn, by the way. I got on the M4 and took myself out So it was an eventful day. Praise God. But just seeing this, you know, I'm just questioning. Is this really about the, the security, the safety of the individuals? Or is it about intimidating everybody out of using your cars in London? And so, yes, we have to question the motive. But let me tell you something. I want to tell you that it's not that way with God's omniscience. Okay? It's not that way with God's omniscience. I was reading a quote from an American scholar. He says this. It is only by yielding to God that we can begin to realise His will for us. And if we truly trust God... Why not yield to his loving omniscience? After all, he knows us and our possibilities much better than we do. Praise God. And so it's something that shouldn't be intimidating. Of course, though, it might feel that way. It shouldn't be intimidating. It should, should be something that fills us with faith and hope. That he knows everything. He knows all everything we're doing, everything we've done perfectly. But he also knows all the contingencies, all the possibilities that could exist. That's amazing, isn't it, when you think about it? And so when you come into prayer and you want to speak to him in prayer, let's remember his omniscience, guys. Let's remember who we're speaking to. You know, we, we don't teach him anything about ourselves. He knows us perfectly. And so let's open our Bibles again. Don't open your Bibles because your fingers are already there, aren't you? John chapter 1, verses 43 to 51. Let's see some of this, some of this knowledge in action. Verse 43, the following day Jesus wanted to go to Galilee. And he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. That's important. 
Nathaniel answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, hereafter, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Amen. Let's just bow our heads and our hearts. Father, we just come to your word this morning once more with open hearts, open minds, Lord. We come to be taught, Lord, by your scriptures. Spirit of God, would you teach us? Would you open the eyes of our understanding today to, to know you better, Lord? And Lord, that we would not leave this place entertained, Father. We would leave this place changed. Deeper in our intimacy, in our relationship with you. The omniscient, the all-knowing God. Help me now, Father, to communicate all you've put in my heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless the Lord. The first thing that we learn this morning is the Lord seeks his own. The Lord seeks, as in seeking out his own. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19 says this. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. The Lord knows those who are his. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 1, we've heard this recently. But now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. I have called you by name. You are mine. Wow. And although he's speaking here, of course, about the nation of Israel, he's speaking to Jacob and collectively as the nation of Israel, we need to understand that he has called you by name. Because he knows you. Because you are his. Someone who knows the end from the beginning, folks. He knows everything is going to take place in your life. That raises some questions, doesn't it? But the, the, the scriptures attest to the fact that nothing catches him out. He's never surprised. He knows everything about us. Therefore, he knows those who would respond to his grace and to his call. He knows you by name. Wow. Jesus spoke in Luke chapter 15, he spoke a parable about the shepherd who lost his sheep, right? There was a lost sheep and the shepherd left them and the others and went after that lost sheep. And the whole point of that is trying to show you how, how intimately, how, how important we are to him. There is a love that we cannot fathom by us that is in the heart of Christ for us, for his sheep. Praise God. And do you know what? He knows where to find us. He knows exactly where to find us. Let's look at verse 43 again. It says, The following day Jesus wanted to go to Galilee. And he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. He wanted to go to Galilee. He'd been in the region of Perea, down by the Dead Sea, and where John the Baptist's disciples, John and also Andrew, they found Jesus. Actually, it was John the Baptist who indicated and said, you know, this is the one you need to follow now. 
And they followed him. And the Bible tells us that Andrew found Simon Peter. Praise God. And so Simon Peter becomes a disciple. That invitation is through that person, of course, through Andrew. But of course it's an invitation from Christ himself. Hallelujah. And then Jesus wants to go north. He wants to go to the Galilee in just a few days. We're going to be there. A few months we're going to be there. In the region of the Galilee. Beautiful place. You see, the Lord Jesus knew who would become his disciples and he planned his journeys to encounter them. And you know how I know that? Because you've only got to read John chapter 4 and you look at the woman, the Samaritan woman. The Bible says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. But he didn't geographically, he didn't have to go through Samaria. He went north through Samaria, which was a journey that most Jews would not take. He went north through Samaria because he knew that he had to encounter the Samaritan woman. He knew exactly where to find you, folks. Praise God, you're not here by accident this morning. You're not here by accident. In the same way that he purposed to go to Galilee 2,000 years ago to encounter Philip and Nathaniel, and into Samaria to encounter an outcast woman, he orchestrated the events by which, each, by which each one of us came into relationship with him. In some mysterious way. Think about your, your whole life. Think about how you came to the Lord. Think about all the possibilities around that. You know, me personally, I first heard the gospel when I was in the army. And... Uh, I may have told you this already, but we were visiting a friend, me and another friend, we were going to visit another friend who had been injured on exercise in the, in the infirmary. And so we went and we sat down, I remember it well, see it now? And um, we sat with him and suddenly this, this army padre came in and he was a captain. So you can't tell him to shut up or you don't want to listen. <laughs> so he came and he sat down and he got talking, he was on his visits, doing his visits around the infirmary and, and uh, we got talking to him. And I just remember, he, he really he shared the gospel. He shared the gospel, he shared the love of Jesus, he shared the cross, he shared about sin and, 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 and judgment and so on. And I remember we came out of the infirmary, we were heading over to the barrack block, and I was having a chat with this guy, and uh, I just remember saying to him, what do you think about it all? And he looked at me and he said, I think I believe. I said, I think I do as well. So I think when we were kids, they used to teach us the Bible stories at school, you know, and a lot of that stayed with me. I think I do as well, but I never thought much of it after that. And, and when I came out of the army, I went off the rails and went. And then maybe four or five years later, after leaving the army, God then sends a Philip. He sends a Philip who himself Jesus had found. And he sends him all the way from Aberdeen in Scotland. <laughs> all the way from Scotland. He's sitting over there with a smile on his face. And then he, he tells me how, you know, he had prayed to God to send it, he'd go anywhere, wouldn't you, Fred? He'd like, go anywhere. He was thinking about Africa, weren't you? He was thinking about that missionary call to Africa. And God gave the Scotsman a missionary call to him. <laughs> 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 anywhere up there, Lord. <laughs> Praise God. But it's interesting how he came, and he came to work in the same place that I was working at. I was, I was in a terrible place. And, uh, and, and Fred, bless him, I remember him going around, I remember his efforts, his endeavours to preach the gospel to every person in that particular steelworks. You know, <laughs> some of them weren't, uh, weren't very interested. Others listened, didn't they, Fred? But I was listening. 
And I was asking questions and, and, and he gave me a Bible to read and, and the rest is history. And here I am, 20 whatever it is years later. Praise God. Because somebody came and shared. When you think about all the possibilities today, if Fred hadn't have come down, you know. Think about your own life and how, how that call has gone out to you. He knows you by name. I don't, I don't begin to understand his omniscient side, guys. You know, all I know is that he knows all things. And that he, he works mysteriously, works all things together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. That's a good thing. That should boost your faith this morning. Bless the Lord. Philip could not keep the knowledge of Jesus to himself. And he found Nathaniel. Look what he says, verse 44. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And I can almost sense the excitement in his voice. And then you get this back. From, the, from Nathaniel. And Nathaniel said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Wow. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, he, Philip invites him, Come and see. Come and see. Folks, the second thing we learn in this passage this morning is that the Lord knows his own perfectly. And I've said that three or four times this morning. He knows his own perfectly. Not only does he seek out his own, he knows his own perfectly. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, verse 47, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. You see, the Lord knew Nathanael's true character. And sadly, there were many Israelites at the time who had deceit in their hearts. They were not circumcised in their hearts, so to speak. But Nathanael was different. There was something different about him. There was no deceit in his heart. He knew, the Lord knew Nathanael's true heart and true character. Who was Nathanael? We notice as we read elsewhere, we don't usually see him named amongst the, the twelve apostles, do we? Who was Nathaniel? Well, Nathaniel traditionally has been identified with Bartholomew. Maybe that's more of a familiar word for you, a familiar name for you. Bartholomew, although it is a name in, in English, it is a translation of the Hebrew Bar Talmai, which means son of Talmai in Hebrew. Okay? So Nathaniel is quite possibly Bartholomew. Nathaniel's son of Talmai. He was from a place called Cana in Galilee, not that far from Nazareth. Well, you can imagine there was a bit of rivalry between these, these villages, between these towns, Nazareth and Cana. The other thing to notice, as he says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? I don't think that he's just that he had a problem with Nazareth. He said he knew the scriptures, he knew the prophecies. And where did the Messiah have to come from? Anybody know from the scriptures? Not from the north, not from the Galilee. From Judah. From the south. From the town of Bethlehem. Yes, Micah chapter 5 and so on. The Messianic prophecies, the Messiah they were waiting for, was supposed to come from Bethlehem. Of course Jesus was born in Bethlehem. But he was raised in Nazareth. 
wasn't it, from Galilee, which is probably why he asked, can anything good come from Nazareth? You know, are you really telling me the Messiah, the one who the prophets speak of, the one who the Lord of Moses speak of, come from Nazareth? That little village, not far away? But it's interesting how the Lord knew Nathaniel's heart. He was a true Israelite. And so he knows our true character. He also knows those who are not to be trusted. He knows those who are not to be trusted. It says, now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, in chapter 2 this is, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. Okay? But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all. And maybe in your Bible it says in italics, men. Okay, but that men has been added. Alright? Don't worry about that. He knew all. He knows those who are his folks. He knows those who pay lip service to him. He says very clearly of the Pharisees, he says these people, they, they worship him with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. There are so many times when you read through the, the Gospels and you, you hear him engaging with some of those antagonists, some of those religious people that were, were always arguing with him and trying to catch him out. And, and you know, you see, and, and you see, he discerned their thoughts. He knew their hearts. And so on and so forth. This is God in the flesh. C.H. Spurgeon, anybody heard of it? The Prince of Pe Preachers. He says this, remember that thought is speech before God. That's scary, isn't it? Remember that thought is speech before God. The Lord knows his own perfectly. So, let's continue to, to read here. Verse 48, Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. That provokes a reaction in Nathanael. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Really? Wow. Folks, this is where I want to suggest to you that here we've got a word of knowledge. This is an example of a word of knowledge. Now, there are those who say, yeah, well, he said it because he was God. Well, yes, that's true. And in a sense, a word of knowledge is when, when we are receiving some of that knowledge from God because he knows all things. And he imparts that to us for a specific purpose. And so we, we, we see here that Philip, sorry, before Philip had called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Fig trees, you'll see them in the, in the prophets often, that are places for relaxation, where you'll go and relax. And, and apparently in those times, you know, many of them that didn't have their own copies of the scriptures, what they did is they memorized the scriptures. So whatever they heard in the synagogue being read out, they would memorize, and then they would go out and, and like, like Nathaniel, sit under a fig tree maybe, under the shade of a fig tree, and begin to think and begin to meditate upon what they heard, recalling the scriptures that they memorized. And so I, I suggest to you that that is exactly what has gone on, that, that Nathaniel, before Jesus, before Philip arrived, Nathaniel was sitting under a fig tree, minding his own business, 
memorise the scriptures, reflecting on the scriptures, and I want to suggest to you today that we get an idea of what scripture he was reading as we follow. We'll see that in a moment from the book of Genesis. But the fact is that Jesus approaches him and gives him this word of knowledge. It's almost like, how could you know that? How do you know about me? And how could you know that I was sitting under the fig tree? And then we'll see, and what, I was, what scriptures I was meditating upon. Word of knowledge. Word of knowledge. This is how one scholar describes the word of knowledge. The God-given ability to know facts about a person's condition, situation, or a spiritual principle that could not have been known by natural means. So when God takes a little bit of that omniscience of his, you know that he knows all the details about our lives, everything we do, everything we are, and he just makes a little bit of it known to someone for a specific purpose. Again, that purpose is never to exalt the person who gets the word of knowledge. It's never to make them look good and spiritual. When I was in uh, Brazil, I'm going to give you an example of the word of knowledge. I remember, it's how serious it is. I've been invited with another friend to go and pray around someone's home. And as we were praying around the home, as I walked past the children's bedroom, the children were taken out of actually. As I walked past the children's bedroom, I just walked past the door and one word came into my heart. The word pornography. And I thought, goodness me. So I went and prayed and then, and then I came back and walking out of the corridor and it was the same thing again, pornography. Now what do you do? And so I, I knew these, these teenagers, thankfully. And I went in, shut the door, and I just said to them, I said, look, they knew I was praying. I said, I believe the Lord has put a word in my heart, and the word is pornography. And at that day, one was a girl, one was a boy, and the girl got up, nothing to do with me, nothing to do with me, and walks out. And then shuts the door behind her, and I spoke to the boy, and he said, it's me. I've got a collection pornographic video, you know, material, under my bed that no one knows about. And then, obviously, that led to, to talking to him about that and helping him, trying to help him to come out of that. That, friends, is a word of knowledge. But again, just like prophecy, you've got to be so careful. Can you imagine what that could do to an individual or to a family? There was another instance, I went up to, uh, to uh, North Brazil, I was invited to go preach at my at Adjunct's Cousins Church, and it was a 22 hour coach drive, it was marvellous, 22 hours on a coach. Anyway, we got to the, got to the, the place, and I was shattered, and then he got there, and, and the pastor met me, and we went out, and had something to eat, and then he took me to the church, and he showed me some of the guys from the church, and he introduced me to some of the guys from the church, and the worship leader... One of the worship leaders was there. And he said, oh, you know, the pastor was saying, oh, this is, this is a man of God, this guy, he's a blessing and so on. And straight away, I just felt uncomfortable. I knew in my heart there was something wrong. And, and I didn't know what it was. Went away, and uh, we, were, we were driving to a restaurant. And I, I remember I got this word of knowledge suddenly, and it, it was immorality. Now, what happened? What do you do when, when, you know, somebody has just praised this guy up, the pastor of the church has praised this guy up, you know, this is a, he's a blessing and so on, and then you get this word in your heart. And I actually said to the pastor, I said, 
again, he's a friend of mine. I said, let me tell you this. I said, I just, I, I, I felt there was something wrong when I met him. I said, and, and then as we're driving along, I felt the word in my hand. And he looked at me and he said, really wrong? I said, yeah. He says, oh, yeah. All right, we'll pray to that and stuff like that. I don't know if you believe me or not, but you're kind of, okay. Shared the word with the pastor. Anyway, I did the weekend conference and then on the Sunday evening, was it Saturday evening? Maybe the Saturday evening. I remember the that they were having the, the pastor was actually leading the service and the worship leader did something and it really upset this pastor. You know, I don't know what he did or I can't remember what it was now, but he did something and the pastor he had to speak to him later. When he called him in his office, he was he totally changed. The way that he was speaking to this pastor, he was like disrespectful and so on. And then, and then the pastor, my friend, decided to confront him with this word of knowledge. And he spoke to him. And uh, he, I was stood outside the office and this guy comes out. And he looks at me and he says, I thought he'd be good. He says, you're a man of God. Now, I'm not saying folks, but this is it. Oh, okay, I thought. Anyway, it turns out that he was... This guy, both of them were married, he was initiating an affair with another, another member of the worship band. And he confessed to it. I know. Can you, can you imagine? Words of knowledge, things that you wouldn't know naturally, that God reveals to us. I'm sharing these things so you can see them like in action, right? So again, it's not just about, oh, but I've got a word of knowledge and look how wonderful I am, spiritual I am, and look what I can do, and I'm oh, from God, and everybody needs to know that I'm from. No. That's, that's not the heart of God, folks. Again, like the prophetic word, it's almost like he's entrusting you. Say, look, I'm going to show you or say something to you. You know, I'm entrusting you with this knowledge so that you deliver in the right way, you know? Amen. Bless the Lord. Wow. Anyway, back into the text, folks. Back into the text. Jesus answered and said to before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Again, the omniscience of God being revealed. I saw you. I saw exactly where you're at. I saw your thoughts. I knew your thoughts. Before Philip had called you, I saw you. And folks, this applies to us as well. Before you were called by name, God saw exactly where you were at. God knew exactly what you were going through. He knows exactly what you're going through today. What a wonderful testimony that Rachel left on the, on the women's prayer group the other day. Was it the women's group? Can't keep up with all the WhatsApp groups. You know, but she was just asking the Lord for, for some sign. Lord, he's still with me. Somebody, if he's still with me, then somebody will give me some flowers tomorrow. And then at the end of the afternoon, somebody came and given she'd forgotten, she'd said it right, it was during the night hours. And then in the afternoon, in the end of the afternoon, she comes, somebody comes and gives her flowers. You know, God knows, God sees, folks. Before he called you, he knew you. Before he called you, he knew about your broken marriage. He knew about the addictions and the things you were battling with. He saw and heard and, and, and saw your cries and your tears and the pain that you were going through. Before he called you, he saw you. This is the God that we serve, who knows all there is to know about us. David, 
he proclaims when he's considering this omniscience. Psalm 139 verses 1 to 6. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You heard me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Listen, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. David's just overwhelmed by God's omniscience, the fact that God is so amazing and so great and knows so much, and yet he can be bothered with me. Luke 12, verse 6, Jesus teaches that the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Now I'm just having a look around. <laughs> now I know some of you, but the very hairs on your head, or maybe the beard, are numbered. God knows. God knows. He knows his own perfectly. Finally, what do we see? The Lord reveals his true nature to his own. The Lord reveals his true nature to his own. Let's continue the, the text. Nathaniel answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, hereafter, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Oh, wow. Praise God. Praise God. What does he say? And actually, it's interesting here, when he says, most, most assuredly in verse 51, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angel of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. The you there is plural in the Greek. He's speaking to all his disciples. Okay? Although he's addressing Nathaniel, he's speaking to all his disciples. He's saying, you will see my glory, folks. You will see greater things than these. What are the greater things? Well, you've only got to go into chapter 2 and you see Jesus does his first miracle. Where he changes water into wine in the city of Cana. Which is where Nathaniel was from. According to John 21, I believe. And so, there are many other things. We see, you know, Jesus and some of the disciples that go up to the Mount of Transfiguration. And the glory of Jesus. Jesus is transfigured in their presence. Before their very eyes. And they see the glory of God. They see the lame walking. They, they, see, they see multitudes healed. Blind eyes open. Deaf ears unstopped. But dead people raised from the dead. They saw the glory of the Lord because they walked with Him. Greater things than these. And so the greater things would be the many signs and wonders that would take place. Starting in Nathaniel's hometown of Canaan. You know, many today, we are seeking the signs and wonders in our days. We want to see great signs and wonders again, don't we? We hear of them. You know, occasionally we hear of testimony. But there's a desire and a longing within our hearts and in the church to see the signs and wonders and miracles breaking out. Praise God. And that's great. And we need to pursue that and seek the Lord. But that is not, that is not the be-all and end-all. There is so much more. 
Jesus said, greater things than these you were going to see. But it goes on, and I believe he speaks about a deeper revelation. A deeper revelation. Most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter, you shall, you shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And as he says those words, he's alluding to a text in Genesis, the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 28. Remember the story is Jacob is fleeing his home. He has to flee from Esau who wants to kill him. Why? Because there was deceit in Jacob's heart at one point. Where he deceives Isaac, receives the blessing of Esau. And again you see the sovereignty of God weaved into all of that wonderful story. Anyway, Jacob has to flee for his life and he's fleeing to a place called Haran. And, and to his uncle Laban, where he's going to get deceived. And then Jacob, one night, as he lays down, he's tired and he puts stones under his head for pillows, and he has a dream. Remember this? And in the dream, he sees a stairway from heaven to earth, and the angels of God descending, ascending and descending upon the stairway. And then when he waits, he says, Surely this is the house of God, this is Bethel, the house of God. And I did, God is in this place, and I did not know it. I did not know it. He anointed the stones there and he named the place Bethel, the, place, the house of God. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. And I believe that this is the exact scripture that, that Nathaniel was meditating on under the fig tree. I think this just reveals a little bit more of Jesus' omniscience, you know, that, that word of knowledge that was given. Not only do I know where you were, and that you were on your own. And I know exactly the scripture that you were meditating on and the questions that you were asking in your heart and mind about that particular scripture. Hallelujah. Oh man, you will see, I say to you hereafter, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. There is no record in the Gospels that this literally took place. There's no record. And so what I want to suggest to you is that he's speaking about the, the, the significance of Jacob's dream. Jacob was in a place of revelation where Jacob for the first time was meeting with his God. God approached him in that place personally for the first time. God begins to reveal himself to Jacob personally for the first time. God uh, assumes a covenant with Jacob if you want. He said, I'm giving you this land, I'm going to bring you back to this land and so on. God is revealing himself to Jacob in this place. And I believe what Jesus is saying. He is saying that, you know, you are going to see that me, that I, the Son of Man, I am the gateway between heaven and earth. I am the gateway between heaven and earth. Just as there was that gateway when Jacob walked the earth and he saw the, the angels ascending and descending. He saw heaven and earth, you know, opened. I am that gateway. You will see the glory of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so folks, it's about not just about what Jesus does. It's not just about the signs and the wonders. We're not pursuing only those things. What we're doing is we've been called to pursue, to seek the knowledge of who he is. Of who he is. That's the most important thing. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3 verse 8, Yet indeed, I also count all things lost, for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. You see, when he had his revelation, oh my goodness, 
Everything else faded into insignificance. Everything that he knew, he left behind. He said, I've got a new pursuit in life. Oh, to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Hallelujah. You see, that's the pursuit of the Apostle Paul. We see him out doing. He's doing stuff all the time. It drives him on. But I want to suggest to you that the, the main thing that was driving him is to know Christ. To know him. To know God in the face of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And that, folks, is our pursuit. That is what God calls us into. Not just to look for his signs and wonders. Praise God, they're signs and wonders. They point to him. They point to him. We need to seek him with all of our hearts, all of our minds. Oh God, to know you, Lord. I want to know you. I want to know the power of this life in my, in my life. I want to know you, Father. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. So what did we see this morning? I don't have to remind myself. We've seen the, the Lord. Lord seeks out his own. He knows exactly where to find us. The Lord knows his own perfectly. And then the Lord reveals himself. He longs to reveal himself. You see, when he, when he called Philip and the other disciples, he called them, he said these words, follow me. You know, we've all heard that voice. Follow me. Follow me. And that is a journey, isn't it? But it, it, it just, it's not just about being a follower of Jesus. He's calling us to be friends. Relationship, friendship. He reveals, you see, refers to his disciples as his friends. And friends know one another. There's a relationship there. Folks, this is what he's called us into. To follow him. But to know him. <coughs> We're not just called to be followers, but to become friends. Praise God. Praise God. Just dwell on the fact this morning that even before you were called, he knew you perfectly. All of your faults, think about yourself at your worst. He knew it. He saw it. He was perfectly aware. When he called Israel, and he says, you're mine, I've called you by now. He knew exactly what Israel would do. He knew all of the sins, all of the rebellion, and everything else that they would commit against him. And yet he called them. He knew. What love is that? What love is that? Goodness me. Lord, that you saw me at my worst. And even then you were prepared to die for me at my worst. And pay the price. Wow. Just as David once said, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too lofty for me to attain. I can't get near around it in modern life culture. I can't get near around That's the knowledge of our God. He knows. He knows. Let's just bow our heads. know us so intimately, so perfectly, 
Before you called us, you knew us, you saw us exactly where we were at. And Lord, you, you have loved us with an everlasting love. Wow. Lord, we just we rejoice in you this morning that although you, you, you're not missing God, you know all things, yet you still love us. You still call us to follow you. Help us to remember that. To remember who you are. Help us to pursue you, Lord. With all of our hearts, all of our minds, all of our souls, all of our strength, Lord. To pursue you, to know you, to go deeper in you. There is so much more that you want to show us. So much more you will reveal to us. And Lord, we pray you would reveal more of your glory to us and in us, Father. That you would be our pursuit. Lord, you changed these men's lives. You called them, transformed them, changed them. They were never the same again. And neither will we be. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. Just in this place this morning, you have heard how Jesus called these first disciples to follow him. And that call goes out today, 2,000 years on. The Spirit of God calls us to follow Jesus. And you know, I've mentioned this morning about the cross, the fact that Jesus of Nazareth, this Jesus who we spoke of today, went to the cross of Calvary. And he paid the price for your sin and my sin. Even knowing everything we've ever done and everything we ever will do, he was prepared to pay the price on the cross for you. So that we might be forgiven. But the Bible teaches us that we need to receive that by faith. Jesus was raised to life on the third day, the Bible teaches us, showing us that he has conquered death and the grave, which are the, the, the consequences of our sin. And I would be wrong to leave this pulpit this morning without offering you the chance to reconcile with God through Jesus Christ. And so, right now, as we're sitting here, I'm just going to invite you, if you have never repented, turned away from your life of sin and rebellion against God. Because that's what we are. If we're not in Christ, we are in rebellion against God. Why? You say, I'm not such a bad person. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of His glory. All of us have fallen short of the standard. The wages of sin is death. Not just physical death. It means eternal separation from God. But he does say the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. He is the only way. You may receive forgiveness for your sins this morning and eternal life in Christ Jesus. If there's anyone this morning that says, I want to turn from my life of independence. I want to receive Jesus as my Lord. I want to respond to this call that Nathaniel did and these other disciples. And I'm going to ask you to raise your hand right here right now. Do not be ashamed. Because he hung on that cross for you. Naked, beaten. He did it for you. Is there anyone here this morning? He said, I want to get right with God. 
I will put my trust in what he has done for me at the cross of Calvary. Father, we just thank you for this morning. And that call goes out 2,000 years on. Lord, has delivered your word today and you would speak to hearts and minds as only you can. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless the Lord.